Welcome to Dragon Talk, everybody! Yeah! Yeah! Yes! We are doing it! Yeah, it we are. Is very exciting to be here for the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm Greg Tito, and that's Shani Mazanobal. Hello. We have two fantastic guests coming oh. on, returning to the podcast: Tanya DePass and B. Dave Walters, who are teaming up for amazing stuff with the Black Dice Society, our live stream D and D game that has been uh, focusing on the horribleness of. <laughs> Ravenloft, uh, with Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft in everybody's hands now. Uh, everybody's talking about how to run a horror game in D&D, and Black Dice Society is doing it amazingly. <clears throat> doing it live. Um, I don't think it's an understatement to say that we're talking to two legends today. Legends. Legends. Legends in the D&D world, um, in the gaming world overall. I remember the first time we talked to B-Dave. Yeah? I felt really inspired. He's like so motivating. Didn't he even do like life coaching or something? He, it feels like he is a very zen individual. Yeah, like he can just pump you up. Uh, exactly. So yes, and Tanya, of course, is just a just a force to be reckoned with, and has done a ton of wonderful, positive things for the gaming community overall. So yeah, how uh, cool! Waterdeep is, is continuing on, right? They're on their tenth season. She's Tana. playing in uh, as well as Black Dice Society and all the amazing stuff she's doing on Twitch, raising money for good causes uh, and great content throughout. Uh, it's 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 you know, both of them. We've had relationships for a long time, so it's great to oh. have them working together and uh, making something awesome for Ravenloft. Definitely. And speaking of Ravenloft. I mean, you've heard us talk about how much we love this book, Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, but have you seen the reviews? They are amazing. Oh my God. Charlie Hall over at Polygon, uh, once again showing, um, you know, the, all the hard work that went into making this book uh, from the D&D team that you've been hearing from, uh, you know, here on this podcast, as well as the contributors, you know, just really paying off. Uh, people are into it. Yes. Um, so very exciting to see and hear that Wes is getting that kind of attention um, yeah. because he did a fantastic job leading uh, that book. And did you hear that little tidbit um, in a meeting yesterday that it's the, the first book that was done completely at home? That's right. It is was, even more impressive. It was from the domain of work from home. Yes. <laughs> the the domain scariest of, of all, all yes. the domains. <laughs> we have been trapped in the mists. The work uh, from for home. For more than a year. And it is, yeah, that is, that is an uh, interesting fact. And the fact that it is being so well received despite uh, being worked on uh, solely from home is just a testament to how great this, this, this team is. It, yes, and it makes me kind of I don't know feel bad but to think like in like the throes of like the early work from home and the early parts of the pandemic when nobody really knew what was going on and all of these people were like forced to work with like horror and horrible <laughs> things and um maybe that's why it came out so well because yeah. they were uh the, the the bleed the concept of bleed was. they can channel their own <laughs> horror uh, of uh, what's going on in the world into yep. this book it could have been a, a nice little distraction for them so i don't know but i thought that was a very fascinating little tidbit so kudos to the team that worked on this 
completely remotely. Yeah. We can do amazing things. And kudos to you, Shelly. Oh. For uh, you know having a, a big part of the lead of marketing this book. Oh, I thank you, Greg. And kudos to you for being the communications manager and actually helping to spread the word about this great book and really getting making sure that all of our fantastic media partners had uh, gotten copies and knew about this product early on, so they could form those really wonderful reviews. Yeah, and I want to give a shout out to all of you out there listening who knew about everything that we were talking about with the Ravenloft book because you are fans of Dragon Talk and we have extra special thank you to give our audience coming up, right Shelley? We do. We do. Something very special is happening. We went back into the annals of the history of uh, Dragon Talk of your and I think I've discovered that the 300th episode of Shelly and I on Dragon Talk together, before it was even called Dragon Talk, mm-hmm. is coming up. Uh, and so we're going to be celebrating that anniversary, 300 episodes of this very podcast, and especially this combination this of hosts, me and Shelly. This podcast. Yeah, is, is going to be happening the week of June 7th, and we're going to have a special live Dragon Talk on June 11th, uh, starting around 11 a.m. Pacific time on the twitch.tv slash dnd. So tune in and you can see us celebrate that milestone with some great interviews, some talk about the history of Dragon Talk, and, uh, and hopefully some, some guests, yeah, and, and messages from the history of Dragon Talk. So yes. that should be really fun. 300. So that is many years, like six years, I think we determined. But 300 yeah. episodes is a lot. And that is a lot of guests. So for thank you, obviously, to everybody who has been listening to this podcast. Some of you have been listening for that long, and we really appreciate it. And, of course, welcome all of the new listeners that, that find us along the way. But if you have favorite moments or favorite interviews or favorite guests, things that, that you learned from Dragon Talk, tell us because we would love to talk about those as well in our special episode because we do this for you. It's really. true. And yeah. we want to know. That would be fantastic. I, I can't wait to hear from uh, the audience a little bit more. Maybe we should do some like reading of uh, uh, comments or reviews yeah. uh, that have been, especially oh. ones that like were posted back in like 2015, uh, I, for example. That'd I like really the reviews that were like, the host. Don't talk about D and D. Oh wait, that's Nathan. <laughs> they, <laughs> that was they Nathan make Stewart's voices review. That are really good. No, no one actually said that. Oh yeah, I might have to like warm up my <laughs> voices so I can exactly. do some new ones for you. Well, thank you to um, yeah. all of you who've been around for that long, uh, listening along the way. We're going to give that extra special thank you on uh, June 11th. So uh, make your calendars ready. To and receive thank you, all Greg. that amazing information uh, and celebratoryness. Will we? Links. Do you think we should start day drinking uh, when we do that? Do you think that should be like the Golden Globes or is it like the Oscars? No, I feel like it's definitely Golden Globes. Okay, but definitely. Golden Globes is if they were ha- had good representation, right? Yes, a bit more diverse Golden Globes. Um, but yeah, definitely day drinking. You can be a little less formal with your attire. You can take some risks that you might not take at the Oscars. Okay. So I, keep that I don't in have mind to put on well. the good hoodie. I can wear the old hoodie. That's yeah, that or like the hoodie that maybe you were like, oh, I don't know, should I or shouldn't I? I don't really have a place to wear this hoodie. 
this mm. is the place to wear that hoodie. I love it. I love it. I, I can't wait for everyone to join. Um, yes. We've got our excellent guests coming, but before that, we've got a segment of Random Character Generator with Brandy Campbell. Random. Let us roll up a random character and see what happens. Welcome to another random character generator. I am Greg Tito and I am joined by Brandy Camel. Hi, Brandy. Hey, Greg. How are you doing today? Very excited to be back with you where we, in this segment, press the randomize character button on D&D Beyond for a level three D&D character and we see what pops out and we create a backstory uh, around our character, and for this, I'm very excited because we haven't done it in a couple of months, and I want to press this bouton. You ready? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Let's do it. All right. Amun Trollbleeder is the name oh. of this mountain dwarf druid. Oh, man. Uh, Interesting. already so much running in my brain already. Very high constitution, uh, 19 with a plus four modifier. Very bad charisma. Oh, man. <laughs> with a five. That five charisma. This is, this is not your face character. <laughs> no, this is not. Uh, middle of the road stats, you know, 14 for strength, 12 for dexterity. That makes sense. 14, 15 for wisdom. Uh, you know, that's, that's pretty good. Mental yeah, that's stats. Good. That's, that's pretty solid. This is, this is a very well-rounded character, All you know. Just at a, at a very high level. Yeah. Uh, and a, a dwarf druid you don't see very often. No, definitely not. I like, I mean, you can, you can think of the, you know, the one in Forgotten Realms with, uh, with Pykele. But that's the only one I can think of, so. <laughs> yes. And as a background, <laughs> Almond <laughs> Trollbleeder is a Rakdos cultist. Oh, man. All right. So this already puts us in, in Ravnica. Yeah. So this is a Ravnica character, which is kind of interesting. Um, Rakdos is an, is an interesting choice for a druid in particular. Like the, the Rakdos cult is very brutal, is very uh, like body modification driven. Right. Um, which you could honestly kind of tri- twist a druid down that like that dark side of things and with that nature. So I, I think it works. I think this could work. There's also like a showman quality to Rakdos, right? Whether it's yeah. it's it's uh, in the Magic the Gathering universe, it's it's uh, demons, but in in D and D terms, those are devils, the the lot more lawful, um, mm-hmm. evil type of uh, outsiders, uh, as they used to be called uh, in, in in previous editions. Um, that they like to to have pain and S and M kind of things as a as yeah. a show. Uh, and gosh, yeah, I'm, I'm, my brain is working hard on trying to see how a dwarven druid might fit into that. What do you think? Oh man, there's a few different ways that you could go down this route. You know, you could go down the the idea of twisting nature to your needs for this particular kind of mm. thing. You know, this is this is probably this is probably more likely an evil aligned character, if maybe neutral at best, but uh, is is almost certainly your like brutish kind of I am a show of force I am a show of power and you can you can very just you can just as easily do that with the the power and raw primal nature 
powers that a, that a druid has. So, Right. Uh, and they have both acrobatics and performance trained, although okay. even with performance <laughs> being trained, it's still a negative one uh, on yeah. the skill check roll for that. Um, but at least this this uh, uman uh, would be you know able to maybe it's a, a trapeze artist or something that would be acrobatic in nature uh, as part of the show is possible. Totally. This the so if you've ever been to to like one of those shows where the the performers are just really mean to you, that's kind of what I'm imagining so far. Where it's like, yeah, no, I recognize you got some great skills, but you're not taking any compliments. You're not taking any cheers. <laughs> Right? Okay, that, yeah. Uh, and the cantrips here are Guidance, Gust, and Thunderclap, okay. um, which at least the gusts make, might make sense for a, a, a trapeze artist or, or someone who is uh, balancing up high yeah. uh, to be able to blow themselves back on course, perhaps, if they, if they need it uh, yep. or as part of the show. I could definitely see that. You can, I could see that as either spicing up a show or... Or, you know, maybe even cushioning their landing if they if they slip off of something. Right. Um, they know druidic. They can wild shape due to their druid uh, class. Um, what is the circle? Circle spells. Oh, so that's the circle that they're associated with. Um, yeah, I'm trying to find which one yeah. was chosen here. Not sure. It should be under features and traits. Yeah. Oh, circle of the land Arctic. Arctic. That's an odd choice. (laughs) That's definitely an odd choice. I mean, I guess with, you know, with the nature of Ravnica and the nature of just kind of the Magic the Gathering universes in general, um, this just mean maybe that's where they came from. They might have come from an Arctic, more mountainous area and uh and got indoctrinated into the Rakdos cult and so that's where you know they've now made their their station from mm. so you're you're thinking that the the kind of druid dwarven background uh was where their origin was um uman's origin was and then they 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 went with the circus yeah yeah i think i i think that kind of uh tracks for this particular the way everything's kind of lining up here what kind of age do you think this dwarf is? Oh, wow. Like okay. older? Because okay. at first when we were talking about it, I was thinking like the, the older, weathered uh, circus performer that was uh, uh, not as happy with their lot in life anymore. <laughs> but uh, what do you think? You know what? Um, it's very uncommon for a young dwarf to leave their clan early, but I think that that fits really well for something like uh, a cult indoctrination, mm. um, where it's you know somebody who ran away. Like I, I like that phrase, the "runaway with the circus" kind of idea of like there was something appealing about that. Um, dwarves culturally tend to be very rooted in in you know strong. Um, Oh God! What's the word for it? I don't know. Blank on clan. Yeah, in like clan traditions, they usually have very strong clan traditions that they cling to, and you know maybe that maybe Omen didn't take to those. Maybe that their you know this is their rebellious stage was to go join the Rakdos cult and run off mm. from their from their Arctic family. Yeah, and or, or, do you think it was a a intentional choice uh, by Omen troll leader, or do you think? It was an abduction type of story. Oh, I could go either way, though they have that training in insight, mm. which leads me to believe that I doubt it was a manipulation. I think this is something, there was something about 
joining the Rakdos clan that appealed to this character. Hmm, yeah. And maybe it was the fact that they had a connection to nature uh, uh, that was attractive to the to the circus performers. They're like, oh yeah, you can you can help train our animals. You can even perhaps you turn into one of them with a wild shape in order to perform in that way. And that appeal was just too much uh, for them. Or maybe they just failed their uh, you know <laughs> uh, their persuasion uh, uh, you know. Um, contested persuasion role and we're like yeah sure i'll join up i <laughs> mean knowing. yeah with that low charisma they definitely have a have a disadvantage going into negotiations <laughs> right high wisdom uh you know so you're right they should be able to see through everything but maybe they just went along with the uh, with the uh, um the pitch from the circus performers mm-hmm. uh, do I you think pr- that the devilish demonic nature has anything to do with this could uh, be behind rakdos Behind Rakdos. I mean, I see the language, I see the abyssal language on their on their list as well. So, yeah. oh, that comes from the Rakdos cultist, so that makes sense. Um, you know, that maybe that is part of what it was. Maybe there was a contract that was signed. Maybe it's a contract that even, maybe Uman didn't sign the contract and they were sold off via some other, some other person's arrangement. Yeah. Do you think Troll Leader is... A clan name, or do you think that is a, a honorific given to to Uman only? That's a that's a pretty good Rakdos nickname, to be honest. So I could see that being like an an adopted name after mm. having having left their clan, and especially if they are trying to leave those strong traditions behind that maybe they they're not tied to anymore. Uh, replacing their clan name is a very strong way to do that. Yeah, and and troll bleeder is such a uh, I don't know. It, it it's creates a, very a visual evocative in my name, mind, yeah. <laughs> right, because trolls have regeneration, and so mm-hmm. if this is an awful thing, but if if the part of the show is just watching Uman, you know, cut a troll over and over again in various terrifying ways, um, that's that's maybe their their shtick. Yeah, that I, that might be part of their act, and it would fit very well with the way the Rakdos uh, represent themselves. So. Yeah. Uh, okay. What do you think Uman looks like, uh, are, and and what gender do they identify as? Uh, I'm I'm kind of feeling male for this character. I, something about the Uman name just yeah. just uh, reads masculine to me. So uh, I'm gonna go with a with a male character for this one. Um, I think on the younger side, um, probably probably very heavily scarred. I think uh, yeah. scarification might be part of their their presentation. Uh, someone who you know the trolls make me bleed, but I make them bleed more. Kind of, kind of deal. Uh, yeah, I like possi- that too. Possibly heavily pierced. Um, I could, I could see that, and maybe like a lot of earrings, nose, nose piece, um, those kinds of things. That makes sense. A lot of leathers and and red uh, accents. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's Definitely. just the Rakdos coming through. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, what what do you think their demeanor is like? What do you think Uman's? Uh, you know, how do they how do they portray themselves? Uman doesn't strike me as a nice person. No. <laughs> I think I think this is a very gruff exterior kind of person. I don't think uh, he's very caring or sympathetic to others. I think he's there for um, for his pleasures. He's there for the things that he wants to do. And if you're in his way, that might be a problem for you. Yeah. 
and yeah, trained with so many weapons. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a it's a co- weird combo between the druid and the dwarf with you know battle axe and javelins and quarter staffs and things like that. But you know, I feel like that would just all be part of the part of the show, right? Being part of the, the show be- for sure. Yeah, almost like a weapons master in some ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially for going with the idea that, you know, maybe part of their show is this, like, fight club thing with, with trolls, you know? Yeah. Um, and then the real terrifying thing about all this <laughs> is that they can <laughs> use the bagpipes. <laughs> I love that the bagpipes comes from the Rakdos background, by the way. That, by far, is my, like, yeah, Rakdos is all about torture, so <laughs> we're going to go with bagpipes. <laughs> Providing, you know, background <laughs> music uh, to other acts when they're not on stage, perhaps. It, it really sets the mood. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I think, I think we got like a full, you know, fleshed out story here. Why, but the only thing I think is missing is how they would be an adventurer or, or an NPC. Like, what, you know, would you just encounter them as part of this, this Rakdos thing or, or have they, uh, or as Uman, uh, you know, gotten is that old for for him, and he's like, I'm going to leave Rakdos too, and I'm going to go out on an adventure, but I still have all the the skills of from Rakdos. I could see this being a character who gets spun up in like a city style campaign or a traveling campaign. You know, being being part of something like a a circus or a show or something like that gives you all of the reasons to explore and and leave that behind because there's some kind of hook or intrigue that pulls you in another direction. So maybe there's an attack on their um, on their show and they want to investigate. You know where that attack come from? Who did this? Who did this to the thing that I care about? Like mm. this is one of the few things I care about, and I'm going to make something happen as a result of this. So I could, I could definitely see Uman, you know, taking taking up their skills for the purposes of, you know, I need to protect the thing that I've come to love, uh, you know, in my own twisted Rakdos way. Right. <laughs> like this is the, the the only found family they've ever. Uh, wanted to be a part of and mm-hmm. someone someone is going to come at that well i'm going to come at you yeah for sure all right well let me uh sum all this up so uman troll leader is a mountain dwarf from uh, the uh more arctic lands uh perhaps in ravnica uh but the, the you know kind of colder areas and the rakdos show came to uh uman's homeland and uh, he immediately thought, that's the clan that I want to choose to be a part of. He uh, renounced his former familial ties and joined the Rakdos cult as his found family, his found clan. He became uh, versed in acrobatics, animal handling, uh, whatever performance he is able to do, despite his low charisma. Um, and as part of this act, he... Um, you know, uh, wounded a, a troll, uh, and that was part of the show, having this this kind of uh, sadistic uh, troll bleeding, and he got the nickname Troll Bleeder from that, and uh, developed skills with the bagpipes to potentially also help out uh, as terrifying music underlining all the rest of the Rakdos uh, cultists. Um, he is not a very ha- pleasant or happy uh, dwarf, Definitely comes across as angry and upsetting just to be around, completely scarred uh, by his own choosing, perhaps, uh, and 
uh, pierced, wearing leathers, uh, fitting in with the the Rakdos clan as much as possible. And his call to adventure might be that uh, something is threatening this, however terrifying, found family that he has, and he is going off to uh, wreak havoc and or revenge upon whoever would want to... Uh, damage the life that he had built for himself. He's relatively young, um, but sounds not very uh, happy. Mm-hmm. I think that about tracks. All right. What's his uh, What's his voice sound like? What do you, what do you, what do you, what do you want to give me a uh, Uman's voice? Am I going to put you on the spot here? Oh, uh, sure. I, I mean, Uman, when, when he bothers to talk, is just a little bit gruff and to the point. That's right. I like Uman. <laughs> Uh, great. Well, this is a really weird and fascinating character. <laughs> Low charisma. Uh, his constitution will keep him alive despite all of the scars he has upon him. A lot of hit points for a, a third level character with 30 uh, because yeah. of that high constitution. Uh, and I would love to see this character as either an NPC that you encounter uh, in, in Ravnica or in other parts of the multiverse or as a player character. I could see tapping into the little bit of uh, oddness of, of this character and, and having him be a protagonist would be a lot of fun. Yeah. No, this definitely sounds like something I could dig into. And, and Ravnica is such a fun kind of world to play in. So I think he fits right in. I love that cityscape uh, kind of feel. Uh, it's so cool. For, for this. So excellent. You can hopefully play Uman Trollbleeder or use him as an NPC in your games following the link in the show notes here uh, where... This character sheet will be available for everyone to check out on D&D Beyond. And uh, thanks, Brandy, for creating Uman with me. Thanks for having me, Greg. This is always a blast. Yeah. How could people ask you any questions about uh, Uman Trollbleeder or perhaps just ask you to um, you know, give an impression of his voice? Uh, <laughs> if you want to find me, the best place to find me is on Twitter, at uh, Dainty, D-A-Y-N-T-E-E. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks. We'll be back with another segment next week. Woman Troll Bleeder is a random character uh, who is a little bit creepy. But I uh, enjoyed making up what was happening in their brains. Good stuff from Brandy, as always. Always. Should we just get to our, our guest then? I, I mean, don't I know. can't wait. There's such yeah, powerhouses. Like, why are we prolonging the, the glory here? Prolonging just, the Magic is one of my favorite cake albums. Uh, oh, and yeah. so we're going to continue with this uh, mid-tro segment. Nah, never mind. Let's just get right to it. Get, get B, Dave, and Tanya on the phone. Okay. Let's welcome Tanya DePass and B. Dave Walters back to Dragon Talk! Yeah! 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 Oh, we, I just want you to know uh, my dog's tail just started wagging when (laughs) you were announced. He's also a huge fan. You know, I am also a fan of the Shelly Hound. Yes. (laughs) His name is Puppy. Uh, Just, that's uh, it. You let your kids name the dog, didn't you? <laughs> we let, I mean, clearly someone else's kid named the dog. We, when, we ad, when we adopted him, that's the name he came with. That's the name right. he answers Aww. to. It 
totally works, though, because whenever people see him on a walk, they always go, oh, hi, puppy. Because isn't that how you address all dogs that you right. don't know? So right. he just he thinks, like, everybody knows me. He's everybody like, knows my name. It's yeah, like walking like, into cheers. I got, I got people out in these streets. Yeah. No, that's good. <laughs> it's good, good for the dog's self-esteem, 100%. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Uh, so excited to have both of you yeah. back on. You're multiple times uh, for both of you. I think this might be the third. Third appearance for both of you, but not at the same time, right? No, we've never been on together. Yeah, this is at least at least number three uh, for me, which is is it great. Is. And yes, never been able to uh, be on the same time as Tanya, so it's it's win win. You know, it's it's we're I'm I'm leveling up now. I'm I'm like like I got in I, I got into the adventure. Now I'm getting high level party members with me <laughs> in the adventure. Yes. Uh, and the two of you are working and starring uh, in Black Dice Society, an amazing mm-hmm. weekly show. That oh yeah, and you've got it on Ooh, the shirt in there. The, the artwork, the, the, the shame, the shame, the the seamless product placement. Where I'm like, oh yes, it's a delightful show. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Your mug game is strong, uh, both got, in the actual physical mugs I, and all, and your facial expressions. My mug on a mug, and it's my mug on a mug. Yes, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Layers. Mug on a mug. I learned it from you, um, Greg Tito. I learned it from you. Always, always be, be branding, merchandising. Always mm-hmm. be putting your mug on a mug. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Black Dice Society has been uh, on the D and D Twitch channel for yeah. the last six weeks, I think. Right. This and is epi- as of the time of this recording. Episode eight is tomorrow. Oh, wow. Ooh. So two time months. Time flies. Getting people excited about all the horror storytelling in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, which is out now. People are able to play and do it now. Mm-hmm. But you guys got to. Is. Show off some of the amazing uh, horrorific content within that, right? That is true. Oh, yeah. That is true. I would just, I would like to say one thing before we, before we dive too deeply into this, because yeah. this is also a special occasion. This is three years to the day when I met Tanya. Uh, three years to the day when I met Shelly in person, and you as well uh, in person, Greg. We talked before that stream of many eyes three years ago was going oh, on. Is that oh true? Maybe this would have been day two of it. Like wow. yesterday was. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Yesterday was day one. This would have been day two because all of the pictures are coming up of like three years ago, oh, and uh, it was Jim yeah. Zub's birthday yesterday because oh. he played Minsk You're that right. day. So and he shaved his head. I remember he really went in for the bit. Yep, he shaved his head for it. That is true. Yep. So that's all. Yeah, it's a, it's a special occasion. So literally started from the bottom. Now we're here. Exactly. Aww, <laughs> I love that, that so amazing. much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, but, and that's true. That's when that's when Rivals of Waterdeep uh, first mm-hmm. debuted on the D and D stage there. And you, Dave, you were on you were on the off the table section, which we called yep. it with uh, yep. with Ivan Van Norman and Kate Welch and so many yep. other awesome folks. Yep, and we did uh, we did uh, yeah, and and I DM'd a game there. Yeah, and we we did all that stuff. So yeah, that that was all true. So this is the part in the conversation where I would be remiss remiss. <laughs> If I didn't say, none of this would have happened without Greg Tito. Shout out to my homie Greg Tito for bringing Greg us in Tito. that yep. day, making all that possible, making all this other stuff possible. Slow this clap. all goes on your tab, sir. All goes on your yep. tab. And rivals, and uh, bring me on Dragon Talk to begin with, and get me back into D and D. Honestly, <gasps> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You got you back we, into D and D. Dragon Age and all that fun stuff. Yeah, and, and you were. I think you were reluctant to come on too because you're like, man, I don't know about this D and D thing. Well, well, it was like. Well, it was A is like, ah, do I want to like be the nerdy, like do the nerdy thing? And are people going to like nerd check me? 
And then I told, I've told this story before that I didn't realize it was like the official D and D podcast until like, <laughs> do you think it was just like Greg? Just like, Hey, I got this. I podcast. thought it was just Greg. Like he was really, I knew he worked for wizards and I was like, Oh, this is really cool. We get to talk D and D and you know, I get to get, learn more about Greg. And then it was like, Oh, it's the for really real D and D podcast. And then I was like, well, we're here now. <laughs> so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yes, uh, Greg set me back on the path to rolling D20s and, and got me all the books. Because I think 5th edition had just come out when I was on the show the first time. It was new, right? Yeah, it was, uh, or I think maybe even Curse of Strata just come out too. Like it was that yeah, spring so. of uh, 2016 or 2015. Yeah, it was, it was early on in the 5th edition cycle. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, um, now, and now look at us all grown up. Doing <laughs> Deeply yeah. into the D and the D now. Mm-hmm. Yep. And we're all mm-hmm. better for it. Yes. So, Thank you. Yeah. For the dungeons and additionally the dragons. Yeah, yeah. It's um I guess for the people who don't know, Black Dice Society, uh, I'm DMing Tanya is one of the players on there. It is uh the official D and D Ravenloft horror stream. Uh and again, we're episode eight's coming up. The first seven are on D and D YouTube. It's live on YouTube and Twitch at four Pacific on Thursdays. Uh check it out. Come join us. If uh if you like, you know, being uh, existentially tormented. And who doesn't? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> you like it, Tanya? <laughs> like, I've met Tanya Lucera. may object. <laughs> oh, he's no. got the evil DM laugh. Oh, yeah, that's oh. My, the guy got my evil laugh out of me. That's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know what if I didn't trust Dave, I wouldn't come back. I wouldn't have said yes. <laughs> oh, I obviously trust is a big part uh, when you're mm-hmm. playing a horror campaign. Mm-hmm. That so, is true. We yes. we had uh, that's one of the things I like most about this book is it it very much has a lot of the consent tools and safety tools in it and and we yeah. had a, a lot of conversations up front with the cast of like what are your no go areas because again you know, horror content by definition deals with things that might be uncomfortable um, and so I had to find out you know the lines and veils of the individual cast like who's you know o- okay with what. Uh, and we have our systems in place that if if somebody gets squeaked out by something, uh, we can you know deal with it right then and adjust and move. Because I've had that happen. I've had people um, in uh, when we were doing Heroes of the Plains. I won't say who it was, but there was a monster that just had a lot of teeth for whatever reason. Teeth was like very much a descriptor, and one of the cast was just like. No, I can't do that, actually. Like, I didn't know I couldn't do it, but right. now we're here, and I can't do that. And we're like, okay, we'll adjust. So, yeah, that kind of comes with the, with the more intense content, I think. But it's uh, But I think by the same token, though, I think when you start kind of getting down in some of that stuff, you can have a really... Um, uh, ultimately emotionally fulfilling experience. You know, it's more, more thrilling... The, the highs are higher and the lows are lower. So, at least I think so. Has that been true, Tony? How's it been from, from your end as the, as the player? It's been really interesting because I'd never touched Ravenloft. I hadn't touched any of, the, of the, the darker content previously. So, I was getting to learn about it. And also just, I get to be a little darker of a character than I do, let's say, on Rivals or, you know, anything else that I've been doing. So not only do I get to play D&D every week with people I really like, I get to kind of go on the darker path, which I never get to do. And, uh, you know, I, I get to 
I mean, Greg and I have talked about this, how my feelings about the drow and getting to be a drow and a dampier and a blood hunter. I'm forcing myself and challenging myself to, to try things that are normally way outside my comfort zone. Mm. What's mm-hmm. that like? So I, I was, I want to ask about your character because I think Ravenloft has just so many really exciting things uh, that you can do with character creation in mm-hmm. it. So I'm, I'm curious how you came to be uh, the Drow Dampier Blood Hunter, but also what 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 is it like to go out of your comfort zone as a player? Because I I don't think I do that very often, and I would I would like to. Um, it's it's also my comfort zone because you know Celise is a paladin. Well, at least until the last two seasons, she was very much paladin, not lawful good, but you know more or less moral and upright. And then, you know, now she's partially a blood hunter. And I, I feel a way about the drow and the way that people play them and, and kind of the weird, to me, weird um, ways in which people almost like revere the, the darkness of, of Lulth and what they think the drow are and the whole, their pitch black up until this edition. And I always felt a way about them. I actually kind of hated drow. And I was like, let me see if I can do this, especially with the changes in 5e. And then um, I was like, not quite sure I want to be a vampire because I'm not sure how that would affect me in terms of us adventuring. And am I going to be a character that is going to suffer every time we're out in the daylight where we go? So Dampier was a good kind of, I still have these otherworldly powers, but I'm not truly undead. I'm kind of undead. And then um, I just really like the Bloodhunter class. It's, it lets me kind of play around with blood magic but in the service of, at least for me, the neutral or neutral good. So it's like, I just get to basically flip Celise over and see what's under the rock and go for it. Mm, I like that, that idea of under the rock. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, there's dark cr- curly things. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm gonna, that's what we're doing today. <laughs> it's, I, you know, I, I've, I've been fortunate enough to be doing this now long enough that I've, played so many things that it's my guiding principles now are kind of what haven't I done um in in a lot of times you know the next big character is the direct opposite of the previous character like it, when I created freely originally which is my character that I play on Heroes of the Plains and my most popular D&D character you know we were we were still neck deep in LA by night mm-hmm. so freely was expressly created to be not victor expressly like that's why he's small. He's a, he's a. Uh, that's why I played one of the small folk. Uh, you know, Int is his dumpstead. He's not a planner. He's not a thinker. He's a halfling of action. He just straightforward and just does what he thinks is right. Because um, all of those things are what Victor isn't. <laughs> because when when I I noticed certain through lines kept coming up in every character, like they ended up being like the talky party face person. Um, uh, that that uh, would be the like um, I won't necessarily shoot first, but I will shoot last type thing. Um, and I realized a lot of those things were those were the parts of me that I was unintentionally bringing to every character. So then it became a conscious effort to play something other than that. You know, to get outside your comfort zone. Uh, That's as- amazing. You know, thinking about how both of you have been doing this for a long time, you know, three, four years at this point. Um, you know, you're mentioning uh, uh, Victor, for, it was the Vampire the Masquerade uh, uh, character, and Celise from, from, from Rivals of Waterdeep, and then having this cast come together from different parts of 
the D&D fandom, they've also had their own experiences and done uh, things like this. So how has that changed with all that experience, the production of something like this, because it's it's not live, right? You guys, t- it is live. Tape- oh, it's live. No, we're live. No, no we're live. We, oh, we, uh, my bad. We tape some. Uh, we tape some epilogue content uh, that is pre-taped, but the show you see at four o'clock is, is happening before you. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so but how, thing- how has that informed this this new uh, iteration? So that it fe- all that experience of doing this for so many years, like I feel like you've got the veterans uh, doing this, and that oh elevates yeah. it. Hundred uh, percent. One quick thing before I go on too too far. Uh, Rivals of Waterdeep Sunday mornings on D and D Twitch. We we didn't say that straight up. Season ten. It's live now. You know. <laughs> Always D&D. depend on Dave to get the. Sure. To get. I know. I was just like I, I was going to get. Always there. be Brandon. You know. Yeah. Uh, that's Victor right there. That's Victor that is, talking. That's, I think see, that's, that's the part that's me. That's in all of them. Yeah. Um, no, I was I was very fortunate. Uh, everybody I wanted for the show uh, all said yes. Uh, it was a miracle that four o'clock Thursday is literally the only time out of the seven day week that we're all available. Uh, well, like getting everybody else, getting everybody together for other stuff has proven nearly impossible. So it, it was just meant to be. That's the um, dark lord of D and D. It was the scheduling <laughs> was the the dark powers maneuvering us into position. You know? um, <laughs> When uh, uh, Watsi approached me about doing this, because we, we'd been in talks about doing something else after Dark and Wish ended, um, and I'd put a couple of ideas out to them, and they came back to me with like, well, word is, you play and run a little bit of Vampire, how about Ravenloft? And I was like, okay. <laughs> uh, and got off the phone, and the first call I made was to Mark Mir. I called him right then, because like Ravenloft is his jam. Like mm. He loves Ravenloft. And then it was just shotgun. I'd, I'd basically like mass texted everybody that day. And I had the whole cast locked down within like an hour or two. Wow. Um, and we were in production for a long time. We started talking it through in like December and we went up in April. We went up in April, didn't we? That eight weeks? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, April first, so, not an April Fool's joke. It, <laughs> we kept having to tell people this isn't a joke. We're really doing this. Yeah. Thursday, <laughs> April 1st. You're right. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, and, and, and I had a cast that I knew would be able to like really bring some depth in, in subtext to it. And, and I just tried to pound from the beginning that this isn't going to be like most D and D streams where for, for the most part, you know, D and D has a, a, a presumption of success. You come around the corner and you see an ogre you can take the ogre for the most part. You know, I mean, the dice might betray you, but you're 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 confronted with enemies that are always punching in your weight class. Um, I was like, this isn't gonna be like that. <laughs> like, there's gonna be things you should run from. Um, we're gonna start at level one for that exact reason, so that everybody's kind of on their on their heels um, all the time and having to find their way through things. In the original plan for the show, was almost a deluxe monster of the week-ish type thing uh, where it's like, you guys will come to a domain. Something's wrong. You know, the Wolfman's killing villagers. You'll, you'll take a couple episodes to deal with the Wolfman and then leave, you know, three or four episode arcs. And then I actually got my hands on the book and I realized there was so much in every domain that we'd be doing the content a disservice to try and just hit and run everywhere. And then the the idea very much sort of like morphed into a more overarching concept of roughly where they're going. And it takes as long as it takes. 
And I also told them, you know, one of the things about Ravenloft is each of the dread domains has certain conditions under which you can come in and certain conditions under which you can leave. If you guys go somewhere and I paint this picture of what's going on and y'all are like, yeah, nah, we're leaving right now. And you can, you can, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I'm not going to stop you. Um, so it's it's been really interesting. But now just this past Saturday, we taped, I think, 12 pieces of epilogue content. Ooh. So that's sort of kind of going to drive some posts into the ground now of sort of a framework of where things kind of need to go. Um, yeah, it's it's been... It's been great. And, 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 and like you said, um, having people that I knew were experienced players, having people that I knew were experienced performers, um, once everybody got the tone that basically was be terrible because the myths don't trap good people, um, everything else fell into place. <laughs> Wait, yeah. tell me about the myth. The mist doesn't trap good people. Is this, a, is this a fact that I've always missed? Huh. Well, no pun I intended. mean, Cursa, I mean, is Cursa Strahd, you know, you can get kind of swept away and you like do what you do and got to get out of there. But I mean, for the most part, if, if the miss, if the miss beckon, you kind of deserve to be there. <laughs> I'm a bad yeah. person. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, Fen, Fen has some, uh, some things that haven't come up yet or, or things that I want to do that, you know, as of yet haven't come up, but even just the introduction because the fun thing we did if you spoiler if you've not seen if you're not caught up on uh black dice society but dave ran with it well sparked it and then i ran with it that my character and his soul who is a canon character were together mm. we didn't plan it at all it just was like in the moment the the way that we were interacting as him as as Isolde and me as Fen, and we just ran with it. And everybody's like, "Did you plan that?" We're like, "Nope." Oh, those not, are the best. not in the least. That's the great moments, right? Where <laughs> it's the mixture between all the planning and 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 plotting that you can do, and then just like, mm-hmm. all right, well, this just happened, and it feels right for everybody at the table, and let's go with it. And that's that's the push and pull of such a <laughs> show like this. <laughs> Although p- p- part of that, if I'm being honest with you, is <laughs> when I got the book, I looked at the sold fan art and I was like, "That, that's Tanya's jam. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dave out here exposed me, but he's known me long enough. He knows my type. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, she wants, she wants to holler at that. Yeah, okay. Let's let's see where this goes. Yeah, that's I true. Like, and <laughs> I ran with it. And it's for me, at least, you know, I've gotten to play with DJ we did a we did that uh, two shot for QuakeCon where without even trying we meshed our characters and he he was kind of Desmondy, um, but you know his character was Knight because DJ Knight and I was like fine then my character is Day Night and Day and we just ran with it and the same thing is kind of happening with with um, Black Dice because we're good friends in real life so a lot of that comes out in our in character interactions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, same with Mark, you know, Mark is one of my favorite people. And, you know, I put aside the, oh my God, it's Mark. He's Commander Shepard. Like, he's just like my nerdy D&D buddy. <laughs> so, but our character, we actually came up with a backstory where our characters are linked. So, and then we just kind of ran with it. Super fun. So, Tanya, question for you, because you've been, mm-hmm. now you've known a lot of the people that you're in the group with. Dave, you had... A, a method to your madness for putting this group together. But 
Have you played D anD D with with these people before, Tanya? And like, I, what is it like to just you know step into this new group, completely new setting, and to- like you're saying, totally different than what you do with rivals. What, what was that um, like? Well, it's interesting because, like, I've played RPGs with DJ, but not D&D up until now. Um, I've not had the chance to sit down with Mark at a table. And actually, other than Dave, I hadn't played D&D with anyone else in the group before. And, mm. and Dave's a DM. So it was just like, how are we going to mesh? I, yeah. And the thing is, like, I know Mark, I know DJ, but I don't, I didn't know Sage and Becca very well at all. Um, so it's just like new people, hopefully it works out, but we're, since we're all adults and good performers and professionals, we actually sat down and did a session zero and we talked through everything and we got on zoom and said, you know, this is what I'm trying to do. Here's my character. And the key of many good D and D campaigns, which a lot of people seem to forget is communication. Without that communication, we could have showed up for the first episode and been like, cool, here's my character. She likes to murder people. And then who knows where we would have been. (laughs) Yeah, that I mean, that communication is really key, and I love that that's a through line through uh, Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft as well, that like you have mm-hmm. to have that open dialogue, not only about the uh, terribleness that can befall your character, um, but just how to draw out the things that are horrible, too. Like, I mean, there needs to be, you, know, you can't just be like, oh, I'm murdering things, and that's horror. You have to find the, some way the things that are, not necessarily um, scary to the audience or to the players, but something that you know that people are going to be uncomfortable with, but not too uncomfortable with. And that's a really hard, or can be a really hard thing to, to find unless you're communicating with your players as, as often as you are. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. Horror, ironically enough, requires a sense of safety. Yeah. You know, like, like you have to feel okay to sort of let yourself go and explore some things and experience some things. Because if you're too caught up in your own head or too guarded, you can't experience the the emotional vulnerability that makes the medium work. Yeah. Um, and, and you can only have that when you know that everyone at the table is coming from a place of good intentions, mm-hmm. um, that everyone is trying to set everyone else up for success. And, and yeah, we're telling a twisty, terrible story, but we're telling a twisty, terrible story together. Um, and it's funny, I wish a lot of times you, you, people could see the um, uh, our, our Zoom chat because uh, it's always, it's nothing but check-ins. That's all the Zoom chat is, especially like when they bicker with each other. It's like, oh my God, I love you. Are you okay? Like that's what's going by. Like on the screen, like you're not the boss of me. And then like, oh my God, I love you. you know? yeah, just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, right. Okay, hearts. Yeah, but that's that's important, you know, because it's um, uh, bleed is real, you know. Um, uh, um, you know. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I'm not. I I know what that means, but I know a lot of people. That's a new term for them. Sure. Uh, So that is extremely important for this book and for this show in particular. Sure. Yeah. You hear it referred to as bleed or character bleed, where it's just the things that are happening to your character start to affect your real human emotions. When ideally those things are connected, of course, but they're relatively siloed. You know, like somebody being mad at my character doesn't mean they're mad at me. But that can be difficult to parse sometimes, uh, especially um, 
you know, over Zoom, when you're not necessarily there in the room to feel someone's energy is challenging. Uh, there, It's a time right now when everyone is still kind of existentially, emotionally exhausted. So we're all a little worn when we clock in just because the world is right now yeah. due to motions broadly at everything. And then, you know, you, you sit down to do something that's fun and then, you know, your character loses an arm or or the group yells at you for making a mistake or something, you know, and it's easy to have your human people feelings, <laughs> you know, be agitated by that. Um, and that's why check-ins are powerful, to make sure that that's not, not what's happening, uh, you know, to give proper reassurance. Um, and uh, yeah, and just make sure everything's okay, because even when it is okay, it's even good to know somebody checked on you. You know, like, hey, you're all right. Yeah, I'm all right. But, you know, but thanks for caring, you know, uh, versus yeah. just kind of like, you know, putting a cigarette out on somebody's forehead. Yeah. Well, especially because a lot of us are new to playing together, even if we're not new to playing the game. Yeah. You know, we're sitting here and like my character was ready to like pull out her sword on one of the other characters because things were going wild. And it's like, you know, I don't actually mean this. I think Paige even like in advance was like, I'm about to be terrible. I don't mean this. This is just my character. But again, we're all professionals and we and we we have a, a very ongoing uh, Twitter DM. So if anything's going on or something's happening, we can kind of check in. And then when we're pre-show and live, just like how we're chatting, there is that chat right there. So you can see, even if you can't like sneakily type because keyboards are loud. <laughs> um, Damn those mechanical can, keyboards. Right? Like, get the soft keys, all the soft keys. Um, but, but you know, I think over these two months, and even in the planning stage, like, we've all just kind of checked in. We, and we, none of us came into this with the idea of I'm coming into this to be, be the jackass. I'm not trying to be the asshole. Yeah. My character might be, and that's, and that's their backstory, but I, as a person sitting at a table with you every week, we're telling the best story we can and have facilitated by the seven of us all together. And, you know, the audience with the investment in our characters and, and you know, already shipping characters, which is a little weird for me being on the other side of the camera, but <laughs> it is what it is. And, uh, you know, it's, you know, I, and I don't, and Dave, no, and you all know, I don't say this lightly. But it's a pleasure and an honor to get to do this because who would have thought even five years ago this would be my life, you know? Not at all. Not yeah. at all. Yeah. As, and oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to ask, especially through this time when we're all separate, right? Like I think, yeah. like you were saying, when we came together for D&D Live, I mean, there was this certain amount of camaraderie that can be felt about being at a, you know, the same location and having those check-ins, as you're saying. And, and to be able to see the type of shows that you guys are making uh, uh, flourish as well as how everyone is now engaging with with Dungeons and Dragons, at least in the quarantine world, um, I think it's done a lot of good for people. Like that mm -hmm. communication, oh, yeah. you know, having a focal point each week. Uh, if you play each week for 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 D and D groups out there, has been a huge amount of of just uh, buoyancy to everyone's spirit who is in this fandom right now. Yeah, mm -hmm. something to look forward to. Still a sense of connectedness. I mean, the and if you think about it retroactively, it makes sense because the whole point of this medium is you go on an adventure with your friends. You know, in it's always been in your head. It's just before now it was we were all kind of in the room together in our heads. Now it's like okay, we're a little further away, but it's still that feeling of you know going on a trip with your friends. 
Yeah. yeah. And sometimes you need the artifice of like, well, we're playing this game, we're doing a story together. But it's not mm-hmm. really even about that. It's about, I mean, I, the way I'm hearing about you guys communicate with each other and checking in and making feel like everyone's okay, gosh, I mean, that's what's great about people in general, right? That's, <laughs> that's all relationships out there. That's true. That is true. But, and it's like, the, you know, the more I hear people talk about employing safety tools in their games and, and all the, the check-ins, it's like, gosh, we should really be doing more of that in our real life. <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah. we seem like we take care of each other better in like the confines of role playing games sometimes. But you know, how yeah. often do you really check in with you know? You might think like, oh, I should, I should text this person, and then mm-hmm. you you forget over the course of your day or something. But it's always top of mind, especially in a campaign like what you're doing here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that Definitely. should bleed. That's the kind of bleed yeah. we need in our real Positive life. Yes. Positive, yes. Positive, positive crossover. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, question. Did you, did you do character creation together? Like, or did you come to that session zero with your characters already created? And I asked just because I imagine, as again, Ravenloft gives you lots of good tools for our backstory, even just you, those lineages alone. You know, it's like, how did you become this reborn, they, reborn character. They all came up with their, well, I'll let Tanya speak to her experience, of course. Uh, but I will say the only person I made any request of was Mark. Cause I was like, the group probably needs a cleric. You should come to Ravenloft with a cleric. Uh, everyone else. I was like, do literally whatever. And a lot okay. of them were like, well, but if they're playing a sorcerer, I don't want to play a sorcerer. I was like, you guys can play six sorcerers. Like it's, it's not <laughs> whatever you want to do because, Hopefully, this is going to be something we do for some time. These are, you know, you're going to live in these character skins for a while. So it needs to be the thing that you feel like you can embody and get lost in. And whether or not this person thinks that also is kind of irrelevant. So, right. Are you also yeah. providing some of those lines and veils, though? Like, did you know going forward, like, when you're thinking about your characters and their backstories and are, stay away from these types of things because i imagine like that could be triggering too for a player if you don't the the only thing is i was like understand this will not be a jokey game this is not the dead joke that's what she said game because mistimed humor dissipates tension and tension is vital to horror so there there was one one person in particular who i will not bust out that was like I cannot stay serious for three hours. It is not in me. Like, it's, it's, I do not have the capacity. So I work with them to put together a character that would be kind of the Tasselhot Burfoot, the eternal optimist, that no matter how terrible things were going, they would always be the like, yeah, but the birds are still singing type thing, you know, and then I'm oh. like, it's part of the character. But then we got there, day one hits, and that is not at all how the character showed up, which it happens. It's happened to me, too, where you're like, I know exactly who this person is, and I'm talking, and that is not what I just said, and now there's something else, you know? <laughs> I had a whole <laughs> accent planned, and that's out yeah, the door. Yeah, that's, that's all not a thing anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, uh, but, but beyond, uh, be, beyond, I guess, those kind of two things, asking Mark to at least take some ranks in Cleric, and the others would be like, not be silly, Everything else was on the table. And the character concepts that you see, 
like Nora came up with the idea of a character that kept dying and kept coming back and didn't understand it before she knew what Reborn were. Oh, mm. wow. That was just the idea she had. And I was like, do I have a lineage for you? <laughs> oh, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, But I'll yeah. let Tanya talk about Finn, yeah. Yeah, it's just I wanted something different. Like I said, I wanted to kind of challenge myself by by getting into a drow, by getting into a blood hunter. Sorry. Oh, God, that was going to be such a terrible pun. I was going to say get a taste for a blood hunter. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's so bad. Uh, but with what I had already done with Celise, but she still has some ranks in Paladin, Fallen Paladin as it is. But, you know, I want to be just straight up blood hunter. Oh, you hurt me. I'm going to use your own body against you. And, you know, I was like, here's my idea. How does this work? Because my only confusion pre-seeing the book was, is Dompier a race? Is it a lineage? Is it a condition? Because I, I wasn't sure if I picked Dompier over vomp, vampire. Like, if I'm a vampire, is that my is that my race? Or is, but now we know Dompier is a lineage. So I'm still a drow, but I have the lineage of being a Dompier. So now with the book out and D&D Beyond updated, I'm like, oh, okay, th- now what's finally clicking before it was all kind of, uh, what does UA stand for? I always forget. Unearthed Arcana. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I, I always look at it and it never sticks in my brain. United Artists also. <laughs> that, that's true. Those United Artists were there with my character. But it, like, it never sticks, but I had UA stuff until the until DD Beyond was updated. And it was like, does this work? Is it is it like, is it putting too much like dark viscous liquid in the pot, basically, of like tar, black ink, licorice, is, or does it work? And, you know, I have this character that I've given this backstory. She still has her family, sort of, kind of. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's room for her to have a struggle. There's room for her to grow. But it's not so rigid of, I'm a, rawr, I'm a damn peer. I must bite people. I really don't have to. I just want to. Because <laughs> I'm just... Fun. It's right. It's like I have no reason to actually feed on people, but it's like this dude's annoying me. I'm just going to feed on him. Why not? But yeah, it was you can fun. only do in a Ravenloft game. Yes, you know, so, I mean because Dave came up with like the the Germanic nudist that we ran into in the in the forest. That's the people and, of Del Monster. Yeah, it's their good, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that Del Monster and. He was, <laughs> He was annoying me so much. And I was like, and then and then uh, things happened and that wasn't an option. I was like, but but he's right there. He's all sun-kissed skin and everything. I could like have a little nibble. And then I just didn't get a chance to have a snack as it were. Aww. Not that I needed it. I know, right? And Soon. I was like, you never let me have fun. Aw, <laughs> just a little taste. I mean, no spoilers, but you found out you you, you wouldn't want to fit on that guy. So. <laughs> right. I mean, later, later it was like, oh, oh. Uh-huh. Yeah, like, you know, Fen is definitely an omnivore, put it that way. She likes red meat. Okay. Yeah. And and the difference to it, I mean, even uh, Rivals uh, is set up in seasons, right? Where you have, mm-hmm. you know, here's someone who's going to Dungeon Master a story that will have a beginning and a middle and an end. You know, it's an, there's an overarching story. And, and, and you, Dave, I guess... Some of your experience has been in more shorter contained. Dark and Wish was like that as well as um, some of your other projects. 
Um, what's it like working with something that has no end, right? Like have like, a, oh, right, well, you can have arcs and things fall and change, but yeah. this is something that will continue hopefully, you know, uh, for as long as there's horrible stories to tell with this group. Yeah, we are we are Watsi's first ongoing stream that doesn't have uh, any set season breaks. Um, you know, if the gods are kind, we'll keep going. You know, nothing can say that we don't get the call tomorrow that they're like, yeah, you don't get any more money and then we're done. Uh, but, but theoretically. We're not going to do that. That's crazy. It's, it's ongoing. Um, you got to keep that tension. That's what we keep, keep me on the edge of my seat too. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's, it's definitely a bit of a double-edged sword because kind of my style is I just hurl sticks of dynamite and watch what happens. That's just what I like to do. And so I've put a lot of, long-term payoff hooks in the story that I'm like, also those things now have to pay off. <laughs> and like, based on just what the epilogues we shot and the things that we've already introduced, I have at least the rough beats of the narrative through the end of October, at least. Of like, you know, at least here's, they're going to go this place and then this place and then this place. And, you know, I estimate it'll take two to three episodes, but you never know. Uh, because when we did uh, A Darkened Wish, I thought when they went to Skullport and were dealing with the Mind Flayers, I literally thought that would take three episodes and it ended up taking the entire season. Because <laughs> it was interesting and it, it wasn't worth rushing, you know? So it's like, well, let's just see where this goes. So um, I think... Uh, uh, a pet peeve of mine that I've experienced is oftentimes when you have an ongoing show, it's easy to waste a lot of time. Mm. Like, you know, we're going to spend three hours talking to the shopkeep. And I don't mean like a planned obligatory shopping episode. I mean, stuff just takes too long. So I try to still like keep it moving because yeah, we got a lot of episodes, but I'm trying to be respectful of everyone's time, time the time of the people at the table, the time of the people that are stopping to watch. Um, and that's something that, that I was, there was an article that came out that was 13 reasons why you should be watching the Black Dice Society. <laughs> and one of them was there's no fluff, that it's like it's moving. And I'm like, Perfect, because I try to give the character, like, since we have time, I try and give, like, the character's time for, like, Finn and Desmond to have a moment. And if it's, you know, 15 minutes of the two of you interacting, but it's good, let's do it. We got the time for that. And I'll try to set them up in the sense that I'll let them know that I'm like, all right, this episode is going to be more story driven because next episode is going to be more fighty. So if there's, if there's like stuff that you want to get out that's like personal stuff, you should probably try and do it this week because next week you're kind of not going to get to. Um, that kind of thing. That makes um, a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's the difference. I mean, that's something we, we, we talk about often, uh, which is the difference between a performed show uh, with people watching and your home game, right? Because a home game, you can, you can waste uh, three sessions shopping and, you know, as long as everyone's having a good time, who cares? You know, the pizza came, we're just going to stop for three hours. Oh, we never got to finish that session. It doesn't matter. But with something like this, where you have the buy-in, people's schedules are cleared as well as viewers, I think it's really important to have that, that snappiness. Uh, but that's also going to be hard. And maybe I'll, I'll throw this to you, Tanya. That's got to be hard when you're like, but I have more I want to do and say, uh, but Dave is, 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 is trying to keep it moving and you have to kind of internalize and not, I mean, that's, a, that's probably a check-in moment more than anything else, right? Of like, can I get to this later? Um, it can be, but I think, I think so far we, we are, you know, going into eight episodes, we've hit our rhythm, I think, 
of in this moment, we're, we're in a short rest, we're in a long rest. And, you know, the way that Dave shifts between, okay, you, like Fenn and Desmond, you've taken up watch together and you've got this time. Do you want to do something? Or it's like, no, nah, I'm going to sleep. Or, you know, have this really sweet moment of, you know, Fenn was terrified, but she didn't want to admit it in front of anyone else. And we have that moment. Um, for me, it's it's not so much, it's not so hard as a player. At least there's not been a moment yet where it's like, oh no, I really, really want to do this thing. But there's also why we have back backstage chat of, hey, you know, if we get a chance, I'd like to do X, Y, Z. And if we don't, oh, well. I Because I think as a, I don't, I don't really want to say performer because we've already had the, this is scripted moment in chat. And I'm like, eh, I wish I had that kind of memory in time. Um, <laughs> but, you know, as a player, whether it's, and, and I think this, whether it's an official D&D stream or you're sharing it on your channel, being cognizant of the time and the beats that you're hitting and not getting married to, I need to do this one thing. And we know some people, they get stuck on, well, I have to do this thing. If I don't do this thing, then this whole session was a waste. You literally can't do that because you'll get stuck on, well, my character didn't get this thing. And that's that's when we start having that emotional bleed of then there's the sulking and the annoyance of, well, if so-and-so got to do whatever, why did my character get to do whatever? Um, and then as a DM, at least the season I DM for Rivals, I always went in with like two or three beats. I know I have two hours and then based on what the players are doing and how the dice are going, I have to make that decision of, okay, we're at the 15 minute mark. I know we need to end. Where's that story beat gonna, gonna close out this time and then where can we pick it up next time? And being okay with time skipping and, and saying, you know what, I would love to get to that. Maybe it can be additional content. We just can't get to it right now. It's almost the trust the DM as director a little bit, right? Where you're mm -hmm. like, all right, I, I, I might feel a little bit like, oh, I didn't, I didn't get to do my moment, but I trust that, you know, Dave as the expert DM can can weave it in at some point later. Maybe not this session, but maybe next session. Right, or you know, and if there's like either a flashback or just kind of a, oh, hey, I noticed you were trying, like you didn't look okay when we were trying to rest in this in this what we thought was a safe house. You know, do you want to talk about it? Because that can always be a way to give that player a moment later on by calling back to something that, that may have happened in a previous episode. Mm. Um, and it's just, you know, people think that it's very easy to do what we do. And this isn't like, oh, look at us, we're super special. But it's a, no, being on and on stage, the equivalent of doing that on Twitch and YouTube is... You're not just you're not just playing the game. It's not like we're just sitting around on Zoom and, and chit chatting. And if somebody wanders off for twenty minutes, it's no big deal. It's you've got to hit story beats. And you know the cold hard facts is there's a contract and there's money on the line. If we're going to be mercenary about it, and, so you got to be good. Well, you got to be good, but also respectful of the fact that you're in a social contract, which you're in mm. a literal contract to other people. So if I don't bring my A game. I'm doing a disservice, not just to myself, because I'm not doing the best I can do for the people that are tuning in, but for the people that are trusting me at the table and Dave is our GM to bring a good story and a good experience for those three hours every week. Yeah, yeah. that's a lot of trust on both sides. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, it's. I remember once, this might seem an odd example, but it always stuck with me. When Vince McMahon... Uh, who owns the WWE, which was still the WWF even then, bought his main rival, WCW. People were like, well, you don't have any competition now. It's like, what, what are you going to do? And he's like, oh, we still have competition. 
literally everything else a person can do. Right. You know, reading a book, going for a walk, going to the movies, talking to their family. You know, like there's, we're competing with reality. So we still have to have something that makes people stop what they're doing and take this adventure, this journey with us. And I always try to stay cognizant of that. Try not to waste anybody's time. Life lessons from Vince McMahon. I didn't think we would have Vinnie this Mac, conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> not, not a place I thought we'd go. I know, right? And yet, and yet, and yep. yet. but it's 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 uh it's a blessing to to get to do this stuff it's it's a it's a it's great to get to play these games to to be a part of these communities uh again shout out to greg tito for literally making it possible Um, (laughs) you guys have done so i i you know like i said i bump it up and then you guys have been spiking it for three years at this point right like i think you've got it here uh this is all you and i love the two that you are also in collaborating on this you're also collaborating together on creating rpg content right which just went live last week yes 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 uh the kickstarter for into the motherlands is live now check it out uh Mm -hmm. it's a a original um sci-fi f Pro-futuristic TTRPG that we're putting together. It was Tanya was the creative director. I'm the lead developer of the game. Uh, it's a great awesome. time. If, if you follow us on Twitter, I'm sure you've seen a number of tweets. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I think uh, a little discombobulated might be, at least for me. Dave's like, yeah, we got this. And I'm sitting here like... <laughs> <laughs> Stares. Turns out Dave was right. <laughs> Dave was very um, right. The internet was like... We got you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I was going to, do you think that playing together um, as, you know, in in RPGs has helped make you good collaborators on a professional level? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, because you learn how to communicate with people. Yeah. And, 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 uh, you know, and everybody's got a different thing. There's some people that you just come straight over the plate. Like, that's how I want it. Like, I'm just, just give it to me. Say what you have to say. Other people, you have to really, like, soft sell it because they might be sensitive to criticism. Uh, other people believe they're fantastic. Like, we, we had one collaborator on the project that almost everybody we brought on got it immediately because we knew they were all pros. And one person just kept coming back with it, just stuff that just didn't fit, you know? Like, we're, we're in five-part harmony here. <laughs> And, you know, you're yodeling. (laughs) (laughs) No, just come come over here. And and that one person just never got their head around it, you know? And um, and then there was a time that we just kind of had to talk and be like, well, you know, maybe they're just not coming back for round two. And and that's fine. That happens. Um, And that's a hard skill to learn as a project manager, just being like, hey, look, this isn't necessarily you know, uh, a besmirch of your talent or anything or, mm-hmm. or the things that you're bringing to it, it's just not the right fit for this yeah. band that we put together. Yeah. And communicating that in a way that doesn't feel like you're fired is, is tough. And yep. uh, I think the skill of dungeon mastering and, and having some of the bad news that you give to people uh, yep. on a weekly basis probably helps in that regard. Yep, yep. Yeah. And uh, I honed mine working in higher ed for 16 years. <laughs> yeah. Getting to talk to professors who have tenure and think nothing can ever touch them is has taught oh. me a lot of skills. Oh, and bet. yeah, and I also kept a bottle of whiskey at my desk. <laughs> we you called all. the drawer at four. It wasn't just me, y'all. Don't don't think I was just being an algae. Uh, <laughs> 
I knew people. I get. It's crazy to think about teachers in high school who like literally had you know their drawers filled with cigarettes and and mm-hmm. things like that. It was a different time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I will say uh, every collaboration's different, and a lot of the gaming collaborations I've been a part of have actually been very frustrating because a lot of times it's not clear what you're being asked to do. And you can waste weeks, literally weeks of time and come back with something. And it's like, oh, this isn't quite what we wanted. And it's like, yeah, but this is literally what you asked for. You know, so when, when that happens, that's frustrating. So it's, it's good to kind of be on the other side of the equation to be able to be like, no, this is what we want. But also, the because this is something completely new, we don't necessarily have, you know, 20 or 30 years of brand identity that we're beholden to. There was just some like guiding principles, a lot of which were just, you know, hey, what's what do you wish you'd seen when you were a little kid? You know, like they give, given this in, in, in like thought exercises, too, that it's like given, you know, that we, you know, kind of our inciting incident is we have these people that were taken from the 14th century to an alien planet. And this is now 2000 years after that. Mm hmm. Where would that go? You know, like, what would that look like? And then you start thinking about it, and then it's fun. You know, you're like, well, I, I think this would happen. It's like, dope. Um, <laughs> That's because- why it's so, I mean, and thank you, both of you, for coming on for my Star Trek podcast and talking through it. That's why it's been so great going back to Next Generation uh, and, and watching some of those older episodes because they are, you know, 30 years later now, it does feel like, oh, we're at these points where a lot of these lessons that mm-hmm. that were hitting mm-hmm. new then are 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 um, you know part of what is important now and it's different and you're feeling it in a, in a different way. And I'd love that how fantasy and sci-fi can inform the way we think about our our society and our and our uh, you know entire existence. And it's, it's something that is a super difficult thing to encapsulate because you're like how why why is this little game that we're playing on a weekly basis about horror what does this mean for the world but it does it does have impact uh to the audience and to you know even just the two of you talking it feels like it's enriched you know your relationships and your lives you're still making a statement and you know for my money artists shape society as much as anyone like it's no coincidence that the little boys and little girls that grew up reading jules verne about going to the moon went to the moon. It's no coincidence that the little boys and little girls that grew up watching Star Trek, now we literally have replicators. We literally have data pads, like, you know, like faster than light travel. It's actually starting to seem uh, more reasonable, you know, like uh, these ideas that were just planted in our minds at such a young age are coming to fruition from people that grew up dreaming about them as real. I mean, don't get me wrong. Hopefully, the dread domains are not real. I have no interest in going into the myths. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, a lot of fantasy stuff. I'd be like, yeah, okay, I'd go there. No, miss me with the myths, though. Yeah, missed me, Shelly. No, but but in terms of like you know creating our own worlds, but also you know, Dave and I both have had a chance to work with with Watsy. You know, rivals, um, Dark and Wish, Black Dice Society, all the stuff that we're doing, but also getting a chance to kind of help and inform seeing things in a better way and, and realizing the representation is important yeah. and you know, what we're, what we're co-creating along with the rest of the team. Cause let's, let's be real honest here. If this was just me, this, this game wouldn't exist. This, if there was not a team, none of this would be happening. I know my own strengths and weaknesses. Um, but it's just the idea that 
we're being trusted by all of these people every week and the team that we're working with to bring them something new. And, and we have the keys to the kingdom. We can do whatever we want. I mean, within reason, it has to make sense, but there's no one going, well, no, that doesn't work the way. That's not what you can do. We can go, but we're in charge. (laughs) And fools really try it, by the way. We've had people be like, that's not a thing. And it's like, no, we literally dictate what it are and are not things. (laughs) Right. Literally, mm-hmm. you know, like like if we're like uh, all these people have chlorophyll in their skin and don't have to eat food because they can, me- you know, metabolize sunshine. It is that way because we said it is, you know, um, which is simultaneously liberating. But, you know, you also have to be careful because, um, you know, things like power creep and game balance and all of that stuff like does matter too. you know, how yeah. do these things coexist in, in harmony with one another? Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a fun process. Just the idea that we get to do this, uh, not just for fun as a career is mind blowing. Like Tanya said, even five years ago, definitely 10 years ago, if you were like, do you know that you can play D and D professionally? I'd be like, no. And like, do you know, you'll and get people to will watch you. Yeah. People yeah. will watch you do That's... it. Like what? You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I came up, you know, during the satanic panic. I came up when it was geek stuff. Like, I mean, you were just mm-hmm. a nerd if you were into this. And the idea that, like, now it's okay, that not only is it okay, it's actually cool. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, great. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the two of you are on the, on the front lines of making that feel cool for so many people, right? Like, I think that's, that's really important. You mentioned the representation, uh, Tanya. Um, mm. That, I feel like, has opened doors for so many people to be like, oh, it's all right for you know, a 12-year-old a or a 10-year-old who, who sees the D&D manuals and we're like, well, there's people like me who, who play this and I watch them and I emulate them and I want to do that. Um, but you're right, it is such a new thing and I want to ask you this kind of as the, the future-looking question here at the end of this interview. Um, you know, there was all that talk about the film school nerds in you know, the 60s and 70s who came up learning about cinema and taking uh, this internal thoughts that they all had and then, you know, kind of revitalizing what, what uh, uh, the film industry did in the, in, the, in the 70s and 60s. What is it going to be like in 10 years, 15 years, 20 years for this type of D&D uh, TRPG live stream shows? Like, what are the people who are kids now watching uh, Black Dice Society? What are they going to be making in 10, 15 years? And how will it, it evolve? I think they're just going to blow us out of the water. There's going to be, you know, you know, knock on all the wood that we're no longer in a, in a pan dulce that, you know, people are going to be kickstarting, setting up their own studios and, and creating their own content and doing all the stuff. And they will be the young 20 somethings coming in and, and doing these amazing shows. And, you know, may hopefully we can finally, you know, wedge out the people like I've been playing D&D for 30 years and if you don't play advanced D&D you're you're doing it wrong hopefully those people will will be long gone if not out of the hobby um <laughs> and you know people like us we can still be there we can still be cool and be not I don't want to say grandmaster cuz that's like such a weird term I know writing uses it a lot like like the smoths and the grandmasters of of writing in the sci-fi spaces but, you know, we can be there and still making our own content. Nobody says you got to stop just because you get older. But I think, you know, it's going to evolve beyond Twitch. I think it's going to be very VR. It's going to be other stuff. Ooh. And I just feel like even in five to ten years, we're going to see people putting on their own events, 
building their own kind of, you know, D&D-esque, D&D empires, but with their buddies. And we'll finally get past that. This, is, this isn't something we do. Because, you know, I don't know about Dave, but so many people have told us about from Rivals that seeing all of you every week made me feel like I belong. And I want to get to a point where if I turn on a D&D show, or I turn on any RPG show, it's not the same five bearded white dudes. It's not the same, you know, group of people that having some melanin on, on screen is not a shocking thing to people. And we don't do, and we don't have to deal with the, well, if you're black, you got to be a drow. If you're a woman, you got to be a healer. Mm. And we just get past that, you know, more shows like Rivals where we put on a good show and we happen to all be people of color, not the, we're the black version of Critical Role, which people always come to us as. They're like, oh, I want Critical Role of a black. And it's like, Rivals. And I'm like, well, A, we're not the only show out there. We're just an official show. But you do realize that being official doesn't put our, doesn't put us above anyone else. But I want us to not be the anomaly anymore. I want us yeah. to not be the, the one show where people can go, look, they're official and it's all brown people. I want us to be, I want us to be very common in five years. And also just want rivals to be at the level of critical role. I have no shame in saying it. Hey man. No, should not, you. It, I think it's kind of going to follow a similar trajectory in the MCU. I mm. think we're seeing the kind of geek content that we're seeing now is you've got people that grew up with it, loved it and take it seriously. Um, and so there's people that will only have ever known this as a fun thing that was free from stigma from the beginning and were free to act on that um, and create from that place. Uh, and it's true, in 10 to 15 years, I intend to still very much still be in the game. <laughs> if the, Again, if I haven't been swept away into the mist. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I'm, 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 just, I'm just looking forward to it. And I think every time we go out there, we show every little kid anywhere, and even some people that aren't so kids anymore, that they can do this. You know, like if you, if you want to play, play. If you want to stream, stream. It can be done. You know, get your friends together. Start. You'll suck at it. Get better. And that's it. Wash, rinse, repeat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's good advice for all creative endeavors yeah. out there, but especially this one, for sure. Mm -hmm. And I uh, don't think that you've got to be like a teenager to start because I got no shame in saying that I didn't start this until I was in my 40s. I was a full-grown adult when I started. Every mm -hmm. I've, yeah. I've been playing D&D &D for 30 years, but everything I've done that you know me for was after I was 39 years old. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. been a lot of that All going the around on the Twitters. Right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Um, I don't, this might spoil things, but I'm just very curious, Dave. Are you going to tinker around with creating your own domain? Perhaps. Know. Okay. That ball is already rolling for oh. uh, eagle-eyed observers of the show. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, we can't wait for more of that Horrifulness to uh, horrifulness? That's a word. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Co-signed. You said it on the internet. It's canon. It's real. It's real now. Mm -hmm. You guys are amazing, both of you. Uh, it's so great to have you collaborating together on Black Death Society and Into the Motherlands and all of this amazing stuff. 
<laughs> you said it already at the beginning, Dave, but what's the best way for people to watch Black Dice Society, get in, as well as uh, follow you, and then we'll go to you, Tanya. Thursdays, 4 p.m. Pacific on D&D, Twitch, and YouTube. And all the episodes are up on YouTube and as podcasts, wherever you get your podcast content. Also, we have a Patreon, Black Dice Society Patreon, where we've done bonus episodes, bonus content, all sorts of dope stuff. And I'm at B. Dave Walters. Uh, follow me there to find all the stuff that I'm up to. I don't expect you to keep up with it. I barely can, and I'm there for all of it. <laughs> all right, what about you, Tanya? Uh, I'm Cypher Tier everywhere on the internet. Um, so other than finding me with B. Dave on the Black Guys Society on Thursdays, you can find me on Sundays, 10 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Central for Rivals of Waterdeep. This is our 10th season. And uh, if you're not caught up by the time this airs, Masood felt like he was trying to kill us in our first episode. Um, <laughs> it was bad. And bad, but in a fun way. I was like, uh, Salisa's supposed to be not this squishy. What's happening? And... Um, and then Wednesday nights, come over to my channel for Into the Motherlands. We are, um, all, we're we're in the back half of our second season, uh, brought to you exclusively by Twitch. That's awesome. awesome. And we've got the 100th episode of Rivals of Waterdeep coming yes. up soon, which is a huge yep. milestone. Yeah, ten yeah, seasons. So, uh, yeah, ten seasons. I mean, and and Greg knows that at some points. Who every every year every well every year every every season we're like okay let's send this email let's see if they give us another season and uh, we're still here and uh, you know knock on wood we'll we'll see what Masood has for us hopefully he doesn't make our tenth season all our characters last season <laughs> and uh, and maybe we can try to bring back some familiar faces that would be awesome and I love yeah. uh, that you're going to be in syndication now right you're going to get those sweet uh, residual checks for, <laughs> for uh, hundred episodes. <laughs> I'd just like to say here, since we're among friends, uh, Freely's never been on Rivals of Waterdeep, but I brought Salise onto my show, uh, Dark and Wish. That's all I'm saying. Just putting that out there. Just saying that. Oh, wow. just, saying, just like, you know. Okay. So we should talk after this. Is what you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're not slick. You saw it all happen in real time, everybody. Mm-hmm. Watch yeah. and uh, follow all. Maybe both. season so, 11. Maybe season 11. So, Masood, when you see this, you and Dave will talk. <laughs> Thanks both of you for coming on. This was this was fantastic. So you good. are Thank both you. the best. Love yep. you guys. I've missed you both. Missed your faces. I know. D and D Live 2022. It's gonna ha- it's gonna happen. I enjoy talking to Dave and Tanya so much. What wonderful creators! I'm so glad that yep. they are a big part of this community. Me too. We are all better for it. And you know what? I also really appreciated all the love they were throwing your way, Greg Tito. You've done a lot also in this community and elevating these wonderful voices. So thank you. Thank you. you. I couldn't have done it without uh without you, Shelly Mazanoble. Yeah, I couldn't have done could. it without Quinn, uh, who's popping up <laughs> in the background there. I couldn't have done it without Ryan or Lisa Carr uh, uh, for making Dragon Talk the amazing vehicle for elevating this community that it is. So uh, it's all of you guys. Yeah, well, it it's takes, mostly drunky it takes shoes, though, I think an adventuring it. party. Boy, do party. I wish Drunky had an adventuring party. Maybe one day she will. Ooh, I'm liking where this is going. Mm. Um, but thanks you, thanks you, for everyone, for listening. And you can follow me at Greg Tito uh, on Twitter at Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. Shelly Moo is that Shelly Moo on all I'm, those platforms, right? 
Sure am. And also at Two Old Moms on Instagram. I know. I'm telling you, every time we air an episode and I say Two Old Moms on Instagram, there's like four new followers. And I know they're Dragon Talk listeners. I know it. So shout out to you folks. Uh, I, I, you know, Reengage is about to enter its second season. So uh, <gasps> go ahead and follow Reengage TNG, where we're talking about uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation from folks who are old enough uh, to be kids uh, watching that series. So it's tons of fun. Also, uh, if you want to find out more about Dungeons and Dragons, go to DungeonsandDragons.com. Find out all about the new products that are coming. Read some of the wonderfulness around Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Watch some of the videos uh, that we have been producing around it, uh, including uh, interviews with uh, the lead designer, Wes Schneider, the art director, Kate Irwin. Some great fun stuff uh, for you to peruse and perhaps pick up when you're playing your horror campaign using Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Uh, New articles coming from Dragon Plus very soon about some awesomeness, including... uh, Things all about Drist, uh, which is uh, a fantastic uh, little bit about Drist to Orden from our friend Bob Salvatore. B. Dave Walters uh, hosted him on a video very recently uh, talking about uh, the new trilogy that Bob is putting together, Dark Alliance, that features Drist and the Companions uh, way back in the day uh, before uh, they, they 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 were famous, but you know after the Crystal Shard and Icewind Dale. So check out that Dark Alliance comes out on June twenty second. That video uh, is narrated by none other than Benedict Cumberbatch. Uh, so worth checking out as well. Amazing, amazing. It is good. It's it's it gives me goosebumps when I yes. watch that video. Sleep Sound is the title for that. It gives a nice overview of what's going on in Drist's life from uh, beautiful animated uh, scenes. And it's a, a, a lullaby that I want to sing to my children. Do you? I do. Okay. Yeah. I think Fiona would be into it. She really likes spiders. Slash <laughs> is very scared of spiders. I saw late last night after I was like, uh, you know, winding down, uh, one of those giant house spiders in my bathroom. Oh. And it's... Freaked me out. What did you do? What did you do? What did you do? I just left it alone, honestly. I was like, oh, buddy, I, it's too late. I'm going to go to bed. It's too late. Yeah. Oh. So then it crawled into my face, and now it lives in my head. That's even cooler bed. now. Yeah, I'm like, like wolf touched. Um, so remember when we saw each other in person? Yeah. And we had really a lot of fun, and our kids were running around playing Pennywise and other scary, and <laughs> that they had that awesome. scary baby that... Kept showing up in weird places. Yeah. Um, so Quinn had a hard time going to sleep that night. He oh, was no, like, really? He goes, I had a lot of fun, but I think Fiona and I might have went too far. <laughs> <laughs> and then he like passed out. He was totally fine. Um, but he did say we have to watch Zootopia tonight because he was like very upset that we pulled him out of your house halfway through the movie but it was like oh, 11 o'clock night. yeah so clearly we were all starved for some social interaction but it was um, very nice to have a fully vaccinated uh hangout i really enjoyed it and we got it again yeah so they can finish watching zootopia so they're yeah um and they can continue their scary little ravenloft world that they've created you know that, what might be a really good movie to watch with quinn just throwing this out there field of dreams oh it's uh, my fave it's such a great movie, but then I didn't realize really, it actually like, is in a little bit. It's a little movies. bit creepy. It's a little yeah. bit like scary, 
And I didn't, I didn't really kind of grasp that until the girls were like, "Oh, that's weird. Why is he there? He's there's ghost. ghosts." And then I'm in like, "In the oh. corn." Yeah. My favorite I mean, line is is when Kevin Costner goes, "You are guests in my corn." <laughs> <laughs> also, I never not think about that movie when Quinn eats a hot dog. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and he loves should. baseball, so actually, it would be a good movie to watch with him. It would be a good movie. Uh, so do it. Um, also. Uh, I always think of James Earl Jones in that movie. It's uh, one of his my yes. favorite performances because it's very different from the Darth Vader's and and the dramatic roles that he has. Yeah, sure too. All right, good wreck. Right. Thanks. Yeah, do it up, and yeah. it is time for us to see what is going on with Drunky Two Shoes. Uh, I know it's herself. Going on. She is fighting uh, a doppelganger who. Yeah, she is. Was appearing as her brother Daryl that she was just recently reunited with. Uh, you are in a Harper's safe house in Waterdeep in the North Ward, and uh, you had just pounced upon the doppelganger that was attempting to run away. You are wearing an amulet that gives you uh, with with an owl uh, with amethyst eyes that gives you the ability to see through a doppelganger's transformations. Uh, and a Harper drew his sword, closed the door. You are on top of what you thought was Daryl, and he is howling and screeching, uh, and you see him kind of um, uh, push on his teeth. Ew. Uh, as you're kind push of holding him down. Push on his teeth with his hand? Yeah, you're asking like, well, who are you? And he's, he's like growling and snarling, and he pushes on uh, his teeth, and you see a, a tooth come out. Uh, and he bites down on this tooth and starts more foaming uh, 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 coming out of his mouth as you're screaming at him like, who are you? What are you doing? Um, so what do you do in response as you're seeing this horribleness in front of you? I am, are my Harper friends still here? Yes, they're all there. They have their, their swords drawn. They're all kind of supporting say, you. Restrain him, restrain him. Hold his arms back so he can't do that weird thing with his teeth anymore. Well, he's not doing it with his hands. It's just uh, his tongue. Oh, what he was doing with his tongue? Yeah. And I ask one of the Harpers, what the hell is he doing? What's the teeth thing? Can I... I I have no idea. Is that... What is that? Oh, okay. So I still have my dagger to his throat? Yes. Okay. And I'm like, who are you? Who are you? Where's my brother? You'll never find out from me. (laughs) Oh my God, he's not just going to die, is he? He dies. What do we do with a dead doppelganger? <laughs> He's just dead. Like, does he and turn see, to? Uh, is he yeah, like a body, first, like an actual? Yeah, physical? it was uh, in the shape of Daryl, even though he was uh, uh, screeching, and you could you could see that it was not Daryl. But then his form uh, resorts back into uh, what a doppelganger would look like uh, what with the- awful skin, just eyeballs, uh, and uh, he is very quickly. Um, inert, no, no heartbeat or anything in front of you, and he falls down limp in, in your arms in, in, as you're still restraining him, and your dagger is uh, at his neck. God damn it! I can't use insight to get any sort of knowledge about the teeth thing and the. I don't know um, what to do now. You, with a dead do, roll me a nature roll if you want to find out. Oh great! Anything no about that? Okay. Oh, a 17 without 17. a bonus. Uh, you believe that there was a very powerful poison 
trapped in a capsule in his teeth and uh, that you deduce uh, from that role that he must have had orders that if he was captured uh, to uh, uh, end its life before any other magical means could be used to deduce its uh, intentions here. Okay. I know he's dead, but I'm going to punch him in the face anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. So you take a big swing uh, at it and you got like uh, foam, saliva all over your, your, uh, the fur on your hand. uh, And uh, the Harpers looking down at you are almost more horrified by your action. Whatever, guys. It's it's, it's deceased. There's no way you can get more information. But perhaps there's a cleric uh, nearby who can uh, cast a speak with dead spell. Oh, well, would he speak with me while he's dead if he wouldn't speak with me while he's alive? Well, there's only one way to find out. Well, let's Let's go find a... Quick, let's take, uh, lift the body and come with me. Fine, I'm already covered in his guts and saliva anyway. Uh, Okay, great. So yeah, you sling him over your shoulder and you guys are off uh, to hopefully the nearest temple uh, where you might be able to learn more. (sighs) I am really glad I found these Harpers because Drunky doesn't really know a lot of, like, that she could have went to a cleric to... Yeah, uh, and the, the Harper fighter who closed the door and was basically uh, helping you out here, he, he introduces you himself. He says, uh, my name is Samson. Hi, Samson. Who are you? My name is Drunky. I'm going to do an insight check on him real quick just because <laughs> I don't trust anybody anymore. I just want to do an insight check. Yeah, like, eight. I don't trust anyone. <laughs> I don't trust anyone. I only got an eight. Like, I'm just really... Uh, he seems, uh, you know, he's uh, clean-shaven. Uh, he's got... Uh, um, scale armor on, uh, well uh, portioned, uh, you know, or well kept weaponry. Um, he he is looking at you with a look of horror slash uh, helpfulness, and he, he seems sincere to you. Okay, thanks, All Samson. Right. Samson, uh, so you, Junkie, and Samson are going to go try and find out uh, more about this through a cleric next time. Okay. Let's see what happens. Maybe on the 300th episode, you'll you'll get a whole party. We'll have to find out. Mm-hmm. That could be really fun. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Thank you.